But the reason I showed that scene, a couple reasons, it was one of my very favorite movies. It's also one of the movies that got me in the most trouble with my wife because I let one of our kids watch it when they were nine. So uh, I did fast forward through scenes. I know it that well. But he had to, had to make a choice, didn't he? And, and it, it was the ultimate choice. Well, life is about making choices. Movies are often the best parts of movies. That critical scene is always comes around a choice. Do you, do you chase the, the guy or the girl to the airport? Do you, do you get there in time? Or do you let that moment pass? Do you, do you fight the bully or do you turn around and run? Do you take a stand? Do you, do you pull the trigger or do you call the police? Which tunnel do you take if you're a Lord of the Rings fan? Lots of choices. Every two years we choose who, our, who we're going to vote for. Little choices every day. They add up to make these big things of our life. But the problem is, is that sometimes the little choices, you know, they do add up. The other thing is that sometimes there are these really big life-defining choices, and those are the ones we talk about the most. Today we're going to be wrapping up our, our look at the red letters of Jesus. Um, it's been a good journey. I hope you've enjoyed it. But we've, we've been in the book of Luke now since December. Uh, we're going to take a break from it for a little while for the summer. In June, we're going to be doing a sermon series called 2020 Vision as we look forward to the year 2020 and what we hope the church looks like at that point. In July, we're going to be doing a sermon series called The Big Idea. We're going to be looking at some uh, popular Christian books and just pulling out the big idea. So it's like a summer reading program for adults. And then in August, uh, we're going to do something fairly out there. We're going to do something called uh, Faith, Family, and Football. And on Saturday nights, we're going to open up the Fellowship Hall, and we're going to show football movies on the big screen, and we're going to tailgate. And then on Sunday morning, we're going to learn lessons, biblical lessons from football movies. But then in September, we're coming back to the book of Luke. And we're going to spend more time learning what Jesus had to say through his parables. So, but Jesus, as we've been through, going through these red letters, he's put a lot of choices before us, things that we had to make a decision on. Do you follow him when he says, follow me? Do you deny yourself when he says that that's what a disciple looks like? When he, when he asks, who do they say I am? What is your answer? And when he narrows it down to you, and he says, who do you say I am? What is your answer? And just last week, he said that, do you believe that I love you? Do you believe that you're my child? Do you believe that you're my beloved one? And so those are choices, decisions we have to make. Today we're going to finish in uh, chapter 11, if you want to turn there, the book of Luke, and we're going to start with uh, verse 14. We're going, to, we're going to read through the passage, and then we're going to go back through it verse by verse. And, um, Jesus gives us a choice again today. 
And it's, uh, it's, it's a more radical choice. It's a, it's a decision that we have to make that's it's framed differently here than it's been framed before. And I don't know if there's any other place in Scripture where Jesus puts it quite so boldly. But it says, Jesus was driving out demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he was driving out demons. Others testified or tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Satan, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it, then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than at first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd cried out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So if we go back up to the the first verses, let me... um, kind of catch us up and get us in context. We're, we're headed into Jerusalem. We're headed to the cross. Jesus has been with these guys for two and a half uh, years or more, and uh, he's, he's on his final leg, and he's doing things, and, and people just can't quite figure him out. And so when he divides, when he, uh, when he drives out this demon, and it, it, this is a pretty big miracle, but it's just one line because we're not focused on the miracle. Luke just wants to, us to understand that, you know, he's, he drove out this demon and that the crowd was divided. And, and the lesson for us today is that Jesus divides people. Um, he divides crowds. Some of them were amazed. Others of them thought he was satanic and others just wanted more. They wanted more. They wanted more evidence. They wanted to see another magic trick. But even today, in 2019, people are still divided about Jesus. We've talked about through this sermon series how uh, Islam and uh, the Jewish faith and Hinduism and the Mormons, um, they, they all want a piece of Jesus. He's in their religion as a prophet or as a good teacher or a moral man. The Romans, even in their history, they don't deny that he existed. They talked about Jesus. They talked about this man and what he did. No one denies his existence. Few even deny his resurrection. But most are divided about his divinity, about his claims that he is the Son of God. And we've used, and I'm going to keep bringing it up probably forever because it's one of my favorite things C.S. Lewis said, you have a choice to make. 
he is either a liar or he is a lunatic out of his mind or he is the Lord. So as we, as we look, there's, there's a choice before us. And who, who do we say Jesus is? Was he a liar who lied about who he was? was or was he a, 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 a lunatic who was deceived and out of his mind? Or is he really the Son of God? Well, it says that Jesus knew their thoughts. And he says, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. Skip down a couple verses, and he said, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus takes this opportunity to defend his authority. Um, You know, his argument here is not a, a very spiritual one. It's just a very logical one. A divided house cannot stand. We, though, we can miss in context what he actually is saying there when he brings up the finger of God. That the Jewish leaders of that time, the people in the crowd, they would recognize that he was going back to the book of Exodus, to the book, the book of Deuteronomy, when how did we get the Ten Commandments? When the finger of God wrote them on those stones. He was saying, I am God. And so this is, a, this is one of those times where Jesus says something fairly radical and revolutionary that we sometimes can read over. But they did not miss the point. President, well, before he was president, Abraham Lincoln used this in a speech. He was talking about how a house divided cannot stand, and of course he was talking about the country, the north and the south. His political opponents, even his, the, his supporters, thought that what he had to say about a house divided was too radical, and his opponents used that type of terminology against him. And see, again, when we think about that from this side looking back, we don't see anything radical at the time. And sometimes we, we need to get, give eyes to Scripture and think about what Jesus is really saying. And again, it's logical. It's something that makes a lot of sense. And as we look forward as a church, I just want us to picture one thing. As we look forward to what this church is going to look like in the next year, as we start making innovations and doing some things a little bit differently, imagine all that we can accomplish if we stay united to the mission and the vision that Jesus has given to us and we don't let bickering and and preferences get in the way of our unity. Jesus also tells us, verse 21 and 22, he goes on and says, when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. See, we have to understand and realize that that Satan is strong. Throughout Scripture, even one of my favorite references is in the book of Luke, when uh, he or book of Jude, when he comments that not even when they were arguing over the body of Moses did the archangel David take on Satan. So when an archangel by himself will not take on Satan, who is another archangel, then we, as, we have to understand that Satan has this incredible power. But we also can't miss the bigger part, and that, that Jesus is stronger. He defeats his enemies. I'm thankful that when our children were little, that VeggieTales was able to put it in the perfect framework 
God is bigger than the boogeyman. And so, see, we're going to have a generation of coming up of young Christians becoming, you know, the next young adults, becoming the next parents, that they will always remember that God is bigger than the boogeyman. And see, we, 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 we give too much power to Satan. We have Jesus on our side. He defeats all things. We, as a church, I think as we play this out, one of the ways that this works is that for too long, the church, we, we have been inside our fortress. We have been defending against culture. Who's on the offensive? Jesus. Jesus is the one attacking. Jesus is the one overpowering. He's not putting up a fence and shielding. Says the gates of hell will not stand against the church. So we have to get outside the fortress of the four walls of the church. This is is one of the things, one of the things that I know some people are a little like, But when we announce that we're going to start doing pub theology at Booker's and we're going to sit down and we're going to uh, have our favorite beverages, whatever they are, and we're going to talk about God and theology and big discussions like that at Booker's instead of in here so that we can reach people, we have to go where they are. I think it's awesome. In fact, I will tell you, I was expecting more blowback than I've gotten. The only thing that I've heard so far is that the women are upset that they're not invited. We might change that after summer, but give us three months alone. That's why last weekend we did our our Serve Kirkland thing. An opportunity where we can go out and just physically serve and help people. Hopefully every time we do that, someone doesn't break a foot. Maybe, there's, maybe there are some logistical reasons why we should, you know, be a little scared of the culture. <laughs> Jesus goes on and says, in verse 23, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus demands a decision. And this is the most radical decision, I think, that he's put before us. He's never really phrased it this way. We're either for Jesus or we're against him. We're either disciples of Jesus or we are his enemies. It's time to get off the fence. It's time to quit sitting back and just watching other people do things. Book of Revelation Jesus tells, uh, tells one of the churches that he wishes that they were either hot or cold, but because they are lukewarm, he's going to throw them up out of his mouth. He is so sick of this. Francis Chans tells a story that he had preached on that, and, he, and he'd also tied in the narrow road versus the wide road, and the narrow road is the path to heaven, and the wide road is the way into the world. And a guy came to him, and, and he said, but, but you're so radical on this narrow road thing, and, and we know that the wide road goes to heaven or hell, but what, what, about, the, what about the middle road? What about us who, we just we want to go to heaven, but we, we don't want to be that radical. We just want to take the nice, comfortable middle road. And he's like, wow, you, you found something in Scripture. Did you know there was a middle road? 
No! There's no middle road. It's time to get off the fence. You're either for Jesus or you're against him. You're either for the church or you're against his bride. You're either going to heaven or hell. And I don't like to put it that way. But that's the truth. We have to get off the fence. We have to get out of the pews. That's the only thing that we have. There's two choices. And unfortunately, we try to, we try to soften this story up so much that we lose and we make this middle road that does not exist. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. Hate to deliver that message on Family Sunday. But you know what? If they hear it now, they'll get it forever. Jesus goes on. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and then go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. It's just like a diet. You lose 20 pounds and then you gain 30. See, Jesus is talking about spiritual warfare. They brought up Satan, so he's, he's continuing the context. Um, the lesson that we need to learn is that Jesus delivers transformation. If we become a real disciple of Jesus, if we take him into our heart, the transformation is real, and it's from the inside out. It is not behavior modification. You know, we have a number of people in the church around the world who they don't drink, they don't smoke, they've never cussed, and then they go to church every Sunday, and they are lost souls because they're all about the outside behaviors and their heart has never been transformed. Um, so being a Christian is about a daily relationship with Jesus. It's not about an hour or two on any one Sunday morning. It's about real transformation. It's about a lifestyle. It's about being entirely different than you were before. That's what Jesus does. He doesn't just dust us off on the outside. He cleans us up from the inside. In fact, he doesn't even just clean us up because we weren't sick. We were dead. We were, like the, like the video said, we were, we were, we were, we've been born into something. We are slaves to things and we don't even recognize it. So what do we do about that? There's a woman cried out at Jesus that blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Jesus gets to define discipleship. And he says that discipleship is about obedience. The one who is a blessed is the one who hears the word of God and then obeys it. And obey, obeying, obedience is about going and doing. It's not about sitting and watching. Um, one of my favorite um, quotes of all time is from Teddy Roosevelt. 
It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives, who is best known at the end of the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. See, the children's ministry, they've had some struggles. They've had to do some things that they didn't see coming. They've had to work really hard. And some people stood on the sidelines and criticized. As we go forward as a future, we're going to be doing things and we're going to be, we're going to be making new innovations and trying some new things. And we may fail. We may fall flat on our face with some things. But at least we're going to be daring greatly. See, as we, as we take on this culture, as we take on this world, remember, Satan has a lot of the weapons on his side. He has greed and lust. He has laziness and gluttony. Those are all on his side. And so we have to be involved in spiritual growth and spiritual warfare. And those are things that you can't see. They're things that we can't really predict. But they're things that we somehow have to do battle against. We have to engage in the fight. We have to be willing to get into the arena. So while it's not always easy to say, it's time to get off the fence. It's time to make a choice. I, I don't know about you, but I grew up on a farm. You can waste a lot of time sitting on a fence just watching. Sometimes you learn. But for the most part, sitting on the fence is all about not making a decision. It's all about just waiting for something else. Somebody, maybe, maybe you're waiting on someone else to make the decision for you. But I, I don't want to be known as an enemy of God. So let me just say it this way. There's no more room for sitting on the fence. There's no more time to sit around and criticize. It's time to choose. It's time to engage. It's time to get involved. It's time to serve. It's time to volunteer. It's time to go. It's time to make a difference. Because how many people in this community alone need to hear the word of Jesus Christ? I'd say there's a lot of them. In fact, I'd say that there's most of them. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on this church. Many of them are sitting on the fence, just waiting for someone to come and openly faithfully, boldly share their lives with them. To tell them about Jesus through their actions and not just their words. See, I, I have a vision of this church that is beyond the walls of this church. It's a kingdom vision, one in which every person in this room brings someone in 2020 to Jesus Christ. See, it's not about what's said from up here. It's about what's done by the hands and feet of the people that are in the pews. You come and 
you come in, way, in more contact with people than I do. All of us combined, all of us united, we're going to do amazing things in this community and in our neighborhoods and in our families. But it doesn't happen if we're sitting on our bums. Sitting on your pockets, as we say in children's ministry. There's a time for that. But that time has passed. It's time to go. It's time to get off the fence. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, sometimes it's really difficult. Sometimes you just really put it very boldly, radical, revolutionary, and you just put us in our place. Father, there's no middle road. There's no more time to sit on the fence. There's no room for criticism. So Lord, I just pray that as we go forward, that we are united, that we are your house, that we are your people, that we are your sons and daughters, we are your beloved ones. And that in that type of love and in that type of grace and in that type of forgiveness and in that type of unity, we make a big difference for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Neil and Hadley are going to come up and we're going to sing one last song. And then I'm going to try to get us out of here quickly. Tell you what, and this is, you want to hear, you want to hear the truth spoken? If, if we have people come forward today and people want to give their lives to Jesus and we have to break open the baptistry and that I miss the race, I would not regret it one moment. See, I want people to make a decision. I want people to get off the fence because we don't know. We have no idea. It's kind of like the race today. I have no idea when they're actually going to get it ran. Stupid weather. But we have no idea when or what God is going to do. But we do know he's coming back. And when he comes... He wants to know, do you know me? Do you know who I am? And do you believe that I loved you? Do you know that? Are you ready to take that step? Are you ready to make that decision? Or maybe you have another decision. Maybe you already believe that, but it is today's the day you want to be baptized, or today's the day that you want to be a member of the church, or today's the day that you know that you want to take a step into to volunteering in children's ministry, or you, or you, whatever your next, we all have a next step. What's yours? It's time to get off the fence. Let's stand as we sing.